0: Hello and welcome to the podcast. It's the DSR Daily, when each day we look at some of the big stories from around the world and try to provide a little bit of perspective on them. I'm one of your hosts, David Rothkoff, joined by your other hosts, Chris Codmore. How are you doing, Chris? Doing fine, thanks. Excellent. And Riley Fessler, how are you doing, Riley? Not too bad. Well, that's, uh, I'm sorry, it's not too bad. I hope we can improve it in the course of today. Chris, what's your top story?
1: Yesterday, uh, we expressed some optimism. In fact, I think, David, you said um, we might see some movement on the Israel-Gaza front uh, this week. Um, It's widely reported today that Biden uh, expressed his optimism that a ceasefire could be reached uh, as early as next week. Um, There's still you know, o- ongoing negotiations, of course, and, uh, some things to work through. Um, I think part of the reason for the ceasefire is, uh, the upcoming Ramadan holiday. You know, this, this is about as optimistic, uh, of a viewpoint, um, that we've seen in quite some time. And, and yeah, I do think, you know, we are getting to the point where, uh, a ceasefire is viable, um, though i know there's a lot of other work to do there uh when when that's agreed to
0: uh yeah i mean biden uh was uh, talking uh, yesterday and said that he th- he was told by his national security advisor that uh, an agreement by monday is possible um clearly the only thing that can stop the 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 dying and the the, the horrors of this war um is is a ceasefire of some sort um uh and uh, uh it has also been clear that that's not coming without a uh hostage release so if if we can get there, that's uh probably the first good news that's come out of this in the past five months. Uh, there have been some reports out of Israel pouring a little cold water on Biden's optimism uh, but uh th- those reports have also been somewhat limited and so, Uh, That, too, is a sign that something may be possible, whether it's uh, real or imminent, uh, is something we'll have to watch very
2: closely. Riley? Well, a daily reminder that the U.S. desperately needs to give Ukraine more aid, as the Ukrainian Army spokesperson has confirmed that troops have had to withdraw from more villages as Russia's kind of renewed onslaught continues. Uh, A... village uh, west of Avdivka, which was also recently captured or destroyed. Um, and, it, you know, again, just shows that Ukraine is on the back foot now. I mean, it, they continue to be pushed back, which seemed impossible earlier on in the conflict as they enjoyed a massive amount of success and even a counterattack. But without aid, as we've said on this show countless times, but it bears repeating until it's fixed. Uh, they're going to continue to struggle. Um, So hopefully something happens. Still not incredibly optimistic, at least I'm not, but we'll see. The U.S. Congress gets back tomorrow.
0: There's a meeting today between the so-called Big Four, the leaders of the Democrats and Republicans in the House and the Senate, with the White House. Um, uh, That's focused on uh, getting um, uh, uh, some kind of Uh, solution to the budget crisis, but it uh, undoubtedly will also touch upon whether the Ukraine-Israel-Taiwan aid package uh, is released, when it's released, how we get there, uh, if it's released. Um, And, uh, you know, we're at the point now where Ukrainian soldiers on the front line are checking their phones daily to see whether the United States is living up to its promise to stick by Ukraine uh, even as uh, there are these setbacks, uh, I should add that there have also been some, uh, you know, positive results. Uh, Ukraine has had a pretty good week shooting down Russian planes, for example. Uh, but uh, this is a very, very tenuous situation, uh, and it would be a shame if uh, the gains that were made were were subsequently lost because of the dithering of the U.S. Congress. Um and yet that is a very real possibility uh to this day. Chris?
1: In uh what is no surprise to anyone, Donald Trump is appealing uh the New York uh ruling on uh his fraud case in which he is uh ordered to pay four hundred and fifty four million, which includes uh interest on the original amount. Um and that, of course, prompted me to go and take a look at where things stand with the E. Jean Carroll case. Um, and yesterday, it was reported that Trump would not be allowed to delay his payment uh, to E. Jean Carroll, because I, I just was wondering if he'd already uh, put that money aside, but apparently he has not. Um, and then I'm sure... Listeners are wondering: Well, does Donald Trump have the money to pay? Because people have said no. Some people have said yes. His net worth is estimated at two point six billion, um, with four hundred million in liquid assets. Uh, so it seems like to me um, he's biding time to raise funds through uh, through his campaign, which I just un- I don't get. I don't understand how money can be funneled into paying legal fees um, from, from campaigns, but you know, that's my ignorance.
0: Well, there was a, there's an, an effort yesterday by Haley Barber, uh, Mississippi, formerly the RNC chairman to uh, uh, propose a rule within the RNC that that couldn't be the case. Um, it's, it's it's legal, but of course the RNC could constrain it. Needless to say, immediately, uh, Trump backers came out and said, "Oh no, he's got to be able to do that," including Newt Gingrich, for example. Um, uh, uh, you know, he's owes four hundred and fifty-four million in the in the uh, uh, fraud case, and uh, eighty some odd million in the other. It's over five hundred million. The liquidity number you gave uh, is, is is old. We don't know how true it is, since we know that he lies about his numbers. Uh, but it does seem to suggest that some kind of asset liquidation uh, is going to be necessary if he's going to even just cover these amounts. And to go ahead with his appeal, uh, yesterday he filed part of the appeal, but he can't actually move forward with the appeal until he posts a bond or in, uh, a provide some other form of assurance that the money is set aside and can be paid if he loses the appeal uh, that has not taken place yet uh, the delays and all of that taking place could just be stalling tactics or alternatively could suggest that Trump's got some liquidity problems um, um, my money is on it being both of those things. we're also going to be watching closely what happens in uh, Fulton County Georgia this week where uh uh the uh, judge in the case her uh, the, uh looking at whether uh a district attorney was compromised uh in in because of her relationship with one of the other attorneys on the project uh on you know which is to say the case that she has brought against Trump uh and some of his co-conspirators the judge had a hearing into whether the divorce attorney of the guy that's in, at the center of this thing um, was uh, protected by attorney-client privilege uh, and therefore couldn't reveal certain things. The judge came to the conclusion that he could and that there is going to be an open hearing. The big question is whether that means that he will reveal things damaging to Funny Willis or he will reveal things damaging to his own credibility uh, since he was... Uh had a bad breakup business breakup with the guy that he is alleging was involved with Fannie Willis earlier uh than fannie willis and and the guy said they were uh and, and it's you know I, to me it seems like a sideshow and a distraction, but it's gained its own momentum uh and of course everybody's gonna be looking all week long at the Supreme Court and the question what the heck are they doing with this immunity ruling? Really? Uh, which should have been a slam dunk uh and increasingly as the days go by uh um in it, it, there is speculation that there is some dissent uh to the idea that uh the 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 DC court of appeals ruling that Trump had no immunity defense um uh, uh you know d- was uh you know not uh, upheld Um, And so, uh, you know, one hopes that that is one or two people in dissent and the broader court refuses to take the case and that's that because the minute that, you know, somebody like Trump is granted immunity, not only does it sort of upend our whole sense of system of justice, um, but think what it would, you
2: know, produce from him should he win re-election. Riley... So, the 25 year old US airman, Aaron Bushnell, who set himself on fire as an act of protest in front of the Israeli embassy in Washington, D.C., uh, passed away yesterday. And we didn't initially cover this story, uh, the initial act, but he did uh, kind of post online that he was going to be doing this protest. He actually live streamed the protest. I can't imagine that he was able to live stream the part where he did this act. Um, but he also alerted newspapers ahead of time that he would be doing this. And, uh, as you can imagine, it was all an effort to kind of bring attention to the conflict in Gaza and, you know, his final words were reportedly free Palestine. Uh, he himself has kind of a a background uh, with this cause. Um, but you know, it's just a tragic event. It's actually not the first time this type of protest has been even used in this conflict. In Georgia in December, uh, someone did the same thing in front of the Israeli consulate there. Um, So I mean, it's just an incredibly extreme method of protest. Um, It kind of just shows how desperate people are to see something happen. Uh, But you know, it was just a horrible story, and I'm curious, kind of, what more will come out of this as the investigations continue.
0: Well, I mean, apparently he was uh, had a friend. They both considered themselves anarchists. They, uh, therefore, were looking for ways that they could express their views as anarchists. Um, uh, You know, uh, this is one of those cases where one can be sympathetic with what he sought, um, but uh, condemn the means by which he sought to communicate it, because clearly suicide is not a um, healthy... um, uh, or for that matter, terribly effective means of, ex- of, 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 de- of making protest of this sort. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we, certainly anybody who's thinking in those terms needs to go and seek uh, some kind of counseling. There are better ways to make the point. Chris?
1: There's been a notable decline uh, with Iran-backed militias Uh, against United States forces um, in both Syria and Iraq, uh, a reduced amount of activity against the United States, um, which is in response to the U.S. retaliation, um, which seems to have done the job that the U.S. was uh, aiming for it to do. Iran is not interested in a prolonged uh, dispute with the United States, um, uh, Iran is trying to keep a their influence in the Middle East, um, especially as it relates to Israel, um, intact. It's a pretty delicate balancing act. Um, but again, I think you know this is just a you know another case of uh, you know our you know foreign policy, and actual foreign policy. Um, having the intended impact here, uh, which is uh, to deter rather than to destroy.
0: Yeah, there was a lot of uh, talk when the United States responded to uh, the provocations of these Iranian-backed groups that people said, well, this is going to lead to a a broader war. Um, And uh, I, at the time, uh, said, sometimes you have to strike to contain a conflict. Um, and to reduce the risk of spreading. Uh, looks like that's what happened. It looks like that worked to a degree. It's premature to uh, hold a celebration, but the, uh, uh, the reports are encouraging. Um, there's a story in the New York Times on this. After U.S. strikes, Iran's proxy scale-back attacks on American bases. Well worth your time, Riley.
2: Well, there's been uh, quite a few disputes between China and the Philippines over an area in the South China Sea called the Scarborough Shoal, which lies within the Philippines' uh, 200 nautical mile exclusive economic zone. But China has claimed as its own, uh, rejecting a 2016 arbitration, saying that there was no legal basis for that. So recently, there's been numerous instances where China has told the Philippines basically to get lost, that they are in Uh, encroaching on their territory, which of course, as I referenced, is not true. It is the Philippines territory. Uh, But satellite images has revealed that China has deployed a new floating barrier across the entrance of the Shoal uh, to keep the uh, Philippines boats out. So, you know, it's one of those things, as we know, uh, within the last few years, China has tried to expand its claim in the South China Sea, claiming virtually the entire thing as their own despite International maritime law saying the opposites. Um, so, this is just kind of the latest in a long string of self inflicted incidents by China. Um, and, you know, I don't really know what the proper resolution is going to be given that China seems to just ignore international law on this. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's a self inflicted
0: incident. China's flexing its muscles. And I think China knows. That the Philippines are not going to go to war against China over this, and the United States or Japan or our allies are not going to go to war against China over this. And I think they're trying to essentially say, um, uh, you know, we need a little elbow room in this part of the world. Doesn't mean they're right, um, but they'll continue doing it as long as they can get away with it. And I think they'll be able to get away with it as long as they want. Uh, So, you know, until there is some major confrontation that this becomes a side issue on uh i think one can expect uh uh incidents between china and its neighbors um in along its maritime uh borders as well as along some of its land borders as with india um for the foreseeable future um and uh it's more or less business as usual Uh, Business as usual for us is, of course, this daily podcast, the other daily that we do, the Daily Blast with Greg Sargent, which has an interesting discussion today about um, uh, politics and the the outlook and how it's sort of being downplayed for the Democrats when there's actually some good evidence to suggest it shouldn't be. Uh, And uh, we've got a bunch of really good podcasts coming up this week. Uh, Later today, we'll have a uh, a conversation with Alex Ward who's written a book on the foreign policy team and the um, uh, Biden uh, administration really good book called The Internationalists and then tomorrow we've got our regular uh, daily outlook pod on, on world affairs and on Thursday we're going to talk to Barb McQuaid who's also got a book out on disinformation and we'll probably squeeze in a few questions about legal issues because that's of course our bailiwick and we've got words matter and we've got um, uh, uh, we're all going to die radio uh, interesting uh, show yesterday on above average intelligence um, uh, with uh, guest alex finley and talking about russian active measures uh, which by the way kind of intersects with the barb McQuaid discussion of disinformation so there's lots and lots for you here at dsr uh, try to make some time for it. If uh, try to try some of the shows you don't normally listen to, uh, because uh, we think they're great, we think it's you know kind of the best in expert perspectives that you're going to get anywhere on the net. Uh, and we look forward to joining you right here at the same time tomorrow uh, on the DSR Daily. Until then, bye bye.